are Adam Cole and Britt Baker married? I guess I'll just Google that word, those words. Okay, it doesn't seem like they're married. They're just together. They've been together for a hot minute, though. Well, I mean, not every relationship requires marriage. That's true. I'm not. I'm. It's not judgment <clears throat> on them. Yeah, just saying. Like, maybe they're happy not being married. Although, like, the tax benefits are pretty sweet. Tax benefits. Yeah, but that, maybe she a, doesn't want. Him I would to say potentially... that in healthcare, but they're both wrestlers. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Gay Space Rocks, a Steven Universe watching or something podcast uh, that watches Steven Universe. I keep wanting to do a follow up because that's what I do on literally all of the other shows that I do. Uh, but no, we're just watching Steven Universe and talking about it. Uh, as always, I am your host, Brian. I use uh, he, him pronouns. You can find me on Twitter at RoomwarePod, and you can find this show on Twitter uh, at Gay Space Pod. Uh, with me, as always, is my co-host, August. Hi, I'm August. You can find me on Twitter. Oh my god, I was just about to give Zachary's intro for absolutely no good goddamn reason. What? Okay, um, you can find me on Twitter at HarpyDora, and I use they-them pronouns. But if you're interested in our friend Zachary's work, you can find his music at... Was it imbugbear.bandcamp.com? I believe it's imbugbear. Bug really good. Yeah, it is very good. Um, That's it. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, so this week, we are watching episodes 7 through 9 of Steven Universe, uh, Bubble Buddies, Series Steven, and Tiger Millionaire. So, the- uh... Yes, yeah, is that right? Are those the right episode titles? Yeah, nailed it! So, uh, <laughs> uh, so uh-huh. why was uh, eight... Wait, fuck! I fucked it up! <laughs> I fucked it up! <laughs> <laughs> if this isn't the pre-pod, I'm going to be very angry at you. <laughs> oh no, I don't catch shit, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> fuck! Oh, jeez. It's just, I can't make the joke, so you have to because of what episodes these are. What, I don't, I, I, I don't get the joke. What's, what's the joke? <laughs> the punchline is because 7, 8, 9. Why? <laughs> because some number was afraid of 7. What number? Why was some number? I don't know. I don't remember because <laughs> I am I am trying to fuck with you, but you don't know the joke so bad. I can't do my own joke. <laughs> god damn it! Oh god, I'm gonna if, if future Brian, you need to name this episode. Some number is afraid of seven. <laughs> oh. 
Uh, okay, shit. so uh, we pro- we continue to have like no real Steven Universe uh, news. Uh, that card game we talked about in episode one, its Kickstarter is live, but we'll be over by the time you hear this episode, so it's not actually a thing. Um, I don't know if it's going to get funded. <laughs> it wasn't doing oh, no. great. It was like almost there, but I don't know if it's going to get over the end. Let me click the link. Yeah, I'm clicking the link now, okay. too. Mm, it's about 20 grand away on eight days left. Uh, I mean, most Kickstarters uh, see a huge bump right after they start and huge bump right before they end. So you never know. They could make it. I hope so. It actually looks like a pretty fun little game. Uh, the, at least the art on the game is very, very nice. Um, I might dis- I might back it. I might go ahead and back it just so we have it. Right. You said I could write it off on my taxes, and you're like a real adult <laughs> who does their taxes, so. Oh my god. Um. Cool. Uh, you watching any other weird media as of right now? Uh, for some reason, Anya and I have fallen down a rabbit hole of BuzzFeed Unsolved to the point where we have mainlined just about every episode. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's two guys who work for BuzzFeed sitting behind a desk in a darkened, uh, a darkened set, and they, uh, talk about and joke about either unsolved true crime or, uh, supernatural stuff, and with the supernatural stuff, they do Ghost Hunter style, like, going and investigating shit. Oh, I guess that's cool. Yeah, I mean, Uh, it's entertaining. It's, it's popcorn media. Sounds fun. Um, oh, they announced that Legend of Korra is going to hit the, the Netflix. Oh, when yeah. When did Legend of Korra end? Was there any overlap with Steven Universe? Jesus Christ. The shipping to the United States for Beach of Palooza is $13. Is that a lot? I Doesn't mean, it seemed like a lot. I'm used to backing Kickstarters where the shipping is $5 at most because I just back, back a bunch of uh, uh, TTRPG zines. So. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. When did, when did <clears throat> Steven Universe premiere? Do, do, do. This is Wasn't radio. It this 2013? is 2013? Yeah, this is. Yeah, 2013. Okay, so the first season of Steven Universe kind of ran parallel to the last season of Legend of Korra. Because Legend of Korra ended in, um, in December 2014. And so that would have probably been around the time that the first season of, or probably season two of Steven Universe was going to kick off. So that's interesting. So that's, I guess that's something. I don't know. I'll probably watch that when it comes out. I know that I tried watching Avatar The Last Airbender. I missed the Avatar The Last Airbender boat for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but, so I never watched it. I was watching some of it on Netflix. And it's cute. It's just, like, not gripping me. Um, isn't to How say that's bad. How far did I don't know, like, episode nine. <clears throat> yeah, it, the I know first it probably season is up. a little wobbly. Yeah. I know it probably picks up, and one day when I'm bored, I'll probably watch it or something. The Le- Legend of Korra seems more my interests. 
Like, it seems more, the world seems more interesting. I like the idea of that same world progressed slightly, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I might check that out. Um, otherwise, I keep watching videos of people heavily modifying old video game systems and turning them into instruments. <laughs> uh, so, that's my life most of the time. So, cool. Uh, oh, I'm trying to get news for Steven Universe, right? Just, like, trawling the tags, like, hashtags, or just searching Steven Universe and Twitter and seeing what I get. Um, hey, Steven Universe Twitter, tag your porn better, all right? Just tag it. Like, lots of you don't. And, like, get, I don't care what weird stuff you're drawing as long as you're not a fucking creeper about it. But, like, tag it properly. So I'm not at work on my phone and, like, oh, there's some gym titties. I'm mm. glad my boss isn't here. <laughs> so so th- that's my PSA. This applies to everybody, but particularly Steven Universe's Twitter Twitter artists. So, uh, all right. Uh, I guess we'll go ahead and we'll get into the fucking episodes. So first up episode this week is Bubble Buddies. Connie is here. I love her so much. I love her. She's so good. You're going to continue to love Connie, I feel like. If you love Connie off of this one episode, you're going to continue to love Connie. Um, the official synopsis. Hero look... Or hero. Blah. Steven looks like a hero when he forms a magic crystal bubble around himself to protect a girl that he likes from danger. But when... Uh, but then panics when he can't figure out how to turn the bubble off. That is not the plot of this episode at all. No. What is with these these official synopsises are terrible he doesn't look like a hero she doesn't give a shit (laughs) all right moving on no one did they just like i don't even know how you how you summarize the episode like that i know they don't have a whole lot of space because i'm sure these are like the synopsises that you put on uh like, the episode description, like, on the, you know, the TV, like, episode thing, right? But, like, you can do a better job in three sentences describing this episode than that. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, I'm gonna be done being angry about that for some reason. Made me really angry. The episode begins with Steven walking out of his house with his bike. Um, uh, the, uh... The view pans to the gyms. They're discussing all these weird seismic disturbances that are happening. Uh, The gyms are like, hey, Steven, why are you riding a bike on the beach? That's not how bikes work. And he's like, hey, I'm leaving. Goodbye. So he drives his bike (laughs) very poorly on the beach. And he stops in front of a girl who is reading. It's it's Connie Maheshwarn. He stops and gets off his bike. And he's like, oh, look at this bike. It's so cool. And I'm so cool looking back at Connie. Uh, wouldn't it be cool to ride this bike? Looking at Connie, Connie doesn't give a shit. Steven tries to get on the bike, falls over, is terribly embarrassed, and runs back off. The gems who were all watching from the window, uh, were like, hey, who's that girl? And he's like, shut the fuck up, oh god! (laughs) Um, they tease him, well, Amethyst teases him, uh, Pearl gets very excited, Garnet's like, hey, just go talk to her, alright man? Just like, chill, go talk to her. Um, Steven grabs the little bracelet that we saw in, uh, Cookie Cat, 
out of the freezer. No, not cookie. Yeah, in together breakfast out of the freezer. Uh, and runs off to give it to uh, give it to Connie. As he's going, he's like, "Hi, I'm Steven." He's trying to practice his opening lines. The the earthquake happens again. A rock almost falls on Connie. Steven throws himself in front of her, and a bubble appears, protecting the both of them. Um, the bubble does not dissipate, so they go try and get the gems. They can't roll up the hill in the bubble because it's sand. And they can't roll, and the gems are not watching because Steven told them not to not to throw off his funky flow. Um, so they head to the big donut where Lars makes fun of them and Sadie tries to help. It does not work. They go to the pier. Connie uh, explains that her dad is, uh, or that she spends a lot of times on beaches alone. It's very sad. They find Onion, who will eventually become the scariest being in the entire show. Uh, we're where not are there yet. ears? That's not the worst part about Onion. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Onion is a fucked up little thing. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, God. On mm. Onion's like an eldritch monster. Like. So, um, they, Onion shoots a harpoon at them and they sink a boat. Uh, that doesn't work. So they go to Funland and get hit by a roller coaster. Uh, that doesn't work and they end up at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, there at the bottom of the ocean, they discover the thing that's causing all these seismic activities. It's a big worm monster. Uh, it only likes to eat glowing things. Um, and when it burrows under the ground, it opens up a trench where Connie and Steven fall in. Uh, Connie becomes very upset, uh, very panicked, understandably, frankly, at this point, um, where Steven finally gives her the bracelet and is like, hey, I saw you drop this last year at the parade. I really wanted to give it to you. Uh, Connie sort of like calms down uh they finally both relax in the bubble pops uh they swim to the top they are accosted by the big worm monster because it wants to eat connie's bracelet steven figures this out uh defeats the monster frankly all by his goddamn self uh and then the gyms show up and kind of embarrass steven the end <laughs> um this episode's so fucking cute my kidneys shut down it's very good it is um, I love S Steven being very shady at the beginning. Like, he's like, hey, whatever. You can't ride a bike on the beach. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's just, uh, it's, I wrote down here, Steven riding a bike in the sand is the mood of 2020. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what 2020 has felt like this entire, this entire, like, year that we've experienced since February. Does that mean that we'll get to meet Connie at the end of it? I hope so. <sighs> Probably not, though. Uh, <laughs> we're going to fall over and embarrass ourselves in front of our crushes. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do that all the time. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's, the beginning of this episode is so, like, him trying to, like, get Connie's attention and do it. I feel like there, I, we had a question from Danielle about like Steven talking about his funky fresh flow and everything uh, in our discord. Uh, if you want to join and ask us questions or just generally hang out with us, you can. Our discord link is down in the description of the episode. Um, but Daniel was talking about like Steven talking about his funky fresh flow in this sort of like um, macho. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think he's trying to. I don't know know that he realizes that he's doing macho things you know what i mean yeah i think he's just emulating stuff that he's seen on media 
Like, because Steven obviously watches cartoons or television and consumes media, you know? Boy's got a smartphone. Uh, And... Well, not anymore. hmm? Well... Well, not anymore. Oh, that's true. I I think they got him a new one. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's true. I forgot they burned it. Um, Assuming this is all moving in chronological order. Um, But... Like, it's so, the beginning of this is so, like, adorable and earnest. Like, Steven, I, I think I wrote it down in my notes on another episode, but, like, Steven is so earnest, it's it hurts because you know things aren't going to work out for him. You know what I mean? Like, he tries so yeah. fucking hard, uh, and he just wants things so bad, and I just want the world for him. Uh, He's a good egg. Although, I mean, I don't know that the the funky flow thing is even necessary. I mean, it's clearly something he picked up from somewhere, but I don't know it's that Lars. it's even necessarily, like... Would, would, would Lars really say something like I think he overheard flow? it saying... I think he overheard Lars, like, saying something to say. I feel like every bad quality Steven has, I feel like he's picked up from Lars. That's my <laughs> headcanon. Uh. <laughs> well, I... I just I have a hard time seeing this as a bad quality. It's mm-hmm. it's like I read it more as like, you know, the emperor's new groove thing. It's like, oh, you threw off you threw off my groove, except mm-hmm. it's just more fun to say funky flow. Right, exactly. He's heard the words funky flow somewhere and he's just latched on to that. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it feels like the sort of thing that Lars would definitely shove him in a locker for saying. It's true. Lars has shoved a number of children. See, the thing is, Lars is probably gets shoved in a locker, and so he just passes this on. Because Lars is obviously yeah. a fucking dweebo. We'll figure that out when we get to Lars and the cool kids. Uh, <laughs> so, just, like, his embarrassment, uh, his interactions with the gyms afterwards, it's just, like, I, uh, it's really, it's just, like, really, really wholesome in, like, a fun yeah. way that, like, cartoons usually, like, especially, like, cartoons that are generally funny aren't. Like, it's got an earnestness and a wholesomeness to it that's not, like, cheesy, you know? Like, it's not trying, it's not, like, trying really hard to be wholesome. It just is inherently wholesome because Steven is wholesome, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, the the showrunners have have very clearly tried to kind of, like, cut as much toxic masculinity out of the show uh for the most part because Lars from what we've seen is still subject to this but like you know from Steven especially they've tried to cut as much toxic masculinity out as they can um although I do want to say first of all uh Steven yelling and running away from an awkward social interaction is uh a mood. It's the peakest mood, frankly. Yeah. And um, it's also really nice because it's like the gems aren't making fun of Steven. Well, okay. The mom gems yeah. aren't making Amethyst fun of Steven. Is, Amethyst, Amethyst is, but not. she's not trying to be mean. Like, I don't yeah. think she's in, like, that is exactly the same way that you, you mess with your fucking little sibling just to mess with them. But at any point in time, they got weird about it. You would stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like, you know, it it's 
it's just nice to see that, you know, authority figures, you know, the main authority figures in Stephen's life are supportive. Right. And also, I wrote down here, it's really interesting when Amethyst is like, you like her, and Stephen's like, I like everybody, right? I don't know if Stephen has conceptualized exactly how he feels about Connie, except that, like, he's like, this person is very interesting, and I want to be their friend. Yeah. Um... Though, obviously, he's got a crush on her. They just don't yeah. think he's conceptualized it yet. Also a mood. It's true. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. Like, the gems are really support. Like, like Pearl in the overprotective mom sort of way is immediately like, oh, let's set, like, let's get to know her. Let's do it. Ameth- or not Amethyst, but, like, Garnet is, like, Garnet is alpha mom, obviously, in the, mm-hmm. in the hierarchy of Stephen moms. That's because she's two moms stacked together in a trench coat. It's true. They don't have they, the other ones. Don't have a chance. They're only the but the one mom. <laughs> yes. Um, it's like we've got like Rose who who is dead mom, and then Amethyst who is sister mom, Pearl who is like uh, high strung Heli- mom. Yeah. Helicopter Hella mom. mom. Helicopter mom. Um, and then Amethyst or not Amethyst? God, what the fuck is wrong with me? Garnet <laughs> who is two moms. <laughs> Yep. Mom squared. Um, but, so he gets back out there, he gets the bracelet. Um, the, the, I like that we're continuing this trend of, like, Steven's power, like, we are reinforcing in this episode the, the correlation between, like, how Steven's powers work and his his want and his need to protect the people around him. Yeah. Um, and, and, I mean, again, this is indicative because Steven's primary weapon, which we still haven't seen again yet, I think will pop up again soon, probably. Uh, but, like, his primary weapons are, like, a bubble and a shield. Um, and which, so, you know, the, the bubble acts like a shield in this particular instance, ex- so... Yeah. Like, the bubble is eventually has a bit of a different different vibe to it. But for the most part, only only ever is, like, a protective protective item. Um, which I think is very interesting. Um, I wrote down here again, Why the fuck is everyone so chill with magic? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Also, you know what? I know this isn't a thing I should give kudos for. Um, it, it's a thing so simple that kudos should not be given, but hey, Steven Universe's showrunners, thank you for loving anime, but not going to anime with, like, Steven jumping on, jumping on top of Connie. Yeah. Good fucking job, frankly. Yeah. A lesser show would have done that. I'm pretty sure lesser shows do that, as even in Western oh. canon with similar aged protagonists. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So good job for draw, for creating children who act like children and not like weird adults um sorry (laughs) that's not on my notes but i remembered it and i got impassioned about it well i mean it it really helps that like you know fan service isn't really a thing so far it's true i don't think it ever really it becomes there's a couple of jokes i think later in this season when we get to like sugalite uh that are pretty funny though like, it's just, like, it's it's low-key things. Um, okay, but, like, if Jasper isn't, you know, fan service for people who like butch women, like, 
I don't know what is. I they do fan service. They don't do gross fan service in Steven Universe. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Steven trying to like go to find help and everything. He he wants to make things right so bad, and it hurts mm-hmm. me because I know he's gonna fuck it up. But I don't want him to. I just want good things to only ever happen to him. Because he just wants yeah. things to be good. <laughs> Although it's nice that, you know, uh, Garnet and Pearl and Amethyst did respect Stephen's wishes. Yeah, to not throw off his funky flow. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That's also good. I like that there was no turnaround at the end of the episode where they're like, we were secretly watching all along. It's like, no, they in fact, Stephen asked them not to watch and then they didn't. Yeah. Until the it's like the pier collapse. And then you know what? You gotta come out at that point. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's like, um just it's a very interesting dichotomy because like when the gems are good parents, they're really good parents, but then there are other times where they just fucking suck. Yeah, they they <laughs> there are only peaks and valleys with the gems. Yeah. Um the, but I mean, it, it's it feels very consistent with their characters. At least it doesn't feel like it's just whatever the uh, episode needs to serve the plot. Right, right. Like the, the their characters are consistent. They don't change. The plots are built. Ar- the plots of the episodes are built around their character traits, not the other mm-hmm. way around. Yeah, yeah. That's very good. That, that's a real good point. I hadn't sort of thought about that until you said it. Um... Man, I love Lars. <laughs> Fuck, I love how mean this little shithead is. He's so mean. awful. <laughs> He's like Dudley Dursley if he had gauges. Like, fuck. Like, yeah. I love it, though. I love how shitty teenage boy he is and how much we're supposed to just think he's a fucking shithead. Well, I mean, he is a fucking shithead. <laughs> it's true, but they never make him look good. <laughs> um, And it's great. I did find it... Oh, go on, sorry. I did find it very interesting, because, like, we were talking um, earlier about how, like, Stephen uh, hasn't really necessarily conceptualized how he feels about Connie, but uh, when Connie was talking about how Sadie and Lars must hate each other, uh, and Stephen was like, no, they they like each other a lot, or I didn't write down exactly how he phrased it. Yeah, I just, I find that very interesting that he isn't able necessarily to understand how he's feeling, but he can pick up on how other people are feeling. Um, It was just an interesting juxtaposition, and I guess it kind of reflects how Stephen kind of, his concerns are mostly uh, for other people. Right. Like, he, I think the most selfish thing we've seen him do is, like, stuff his face full of cookie cats. Right. And, and that was more him just being, like, elated. The fact that this thing that he loved is now back, you know? Or he yeah. has some. Um, I, would say, I, I could argue that some of this, like, him showing off in the cat fingers is a little bit, like, of that... Not necessarily, I wouldn't say that's selfishness by any yeah. stretch, but you know, you know what I mean? It's like in that same sort of him kind of go, like, re- when he's really feeling himself, he's feeling himself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think, like, that's a good point, like, I hadn't thought of. Because, like, we'll kind of... It comes up in a couple of other episodes, but, like, Steven loves, like, goopy romance bullshit. Like, hmm. uh, he loves, like... He loves when stories have a wedding... Or, you know, Aww. or he likes, like, romance subplots in his shows and stuff like that. Uh, so I think that's an interesting character trait that they're kind of setting up here. Uh, mm-hmm. But also that's a good point that you bring up. Like, it's interesting how that's born out of the character trait of, like, Stephen being very, like, very aware of the feelings of other people in not necessarily focusing on his inter- interiority all this much. Um, do, 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 where was I? Uh, Lars is being a shithead. Oh, Lars is being and... a shithead. Uh, yeah. also, it, I love, I love the relationship of Lars and Sadie. It's gonna get fun as it goes along. Um, man, Connie's a fucking nerd, huh? Just like, yeah, she's the nerdiest little motherfucker. Uh, it's, it's so, like, uh, it's like soul so soul crushing is like a kid who also didn't have a lot of friends. Not because my parents mm-hmm. moved around, but because I was a little fucking nerd. Um, mm-hmm. So now I'm now I'm doing a podcast about a cartoon when I'm 33 years old. Who's the nerd now? Anyway, it's me because you know I'm technically two years older than you. So, haha! <laughs> Tell Anya to give you a spurly later. Um, oh boy. <laughs> um, but like it's just like. I, I, I like they're setting up that turn a little bit later in the episode, but also showing the simul- similarities, I feel like, between the two characters. Because, like, Steven obviously has no friends his own fucking age, except for Petey, yeah. who's definitely not Steven's age. <laughs> yeah. Petey's older than his dad, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, they're, they're also, you just don't see other fucking kids on the boardwalk. Like, it just seemingly there's not a lot of kids in the board lo- boardwalk. Also, maybe Steve, like, this becomes confirmed later, but Steven doesn't go to fucking school. Yeah, I was about to say that, um, because that's, I mean, I don't know, like, I can't imagine, like, Pearl really being down with the concept of public school. That's true. Also... How do you enroll him? Because Lord knows that motherfucker don't got no birth certificate. He was his mom oh. gave up her physical form to create him. Like, oh jeez, <laughs> bribe a bribe a midwife to say it was a home birth. Do you think Greg Greg is that devious? <laughs> I mean, that's not being devious, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> and then like Garnet and Pearl and Amethyst don't necessarily have the know how of like birthing options and legal systems to think to do that either so right like it's it's weird because like the gym obviously everybody know in especially in beach city everybody knows the gyms everybody knows steven it's not like they're secret heroes protecting beach city especially as we'll find out they like go to Funland. <laughs> like you know the, the people yeah. know the gyms um and but and I guess everyone's just okay with the... Fi- I guess they maybe just assume Steven's homeschooled by his weird aunts or something. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily know if the people of Beach City... I Well, I know for a fact I do. But, like, people of Beach City don't necessarily conceptualize them as aliens. They're just Steven's weird aunts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. 
fucking fucking sad yeah, sad mean, lonely nerd connie yeah that that's such a mood like my dad did uh a bunch of contract work when i was growing up so i was definitely the the bookworm who didn't have a lot of friends because i moved so much so like that's everything about connie's everything in this episode was so relatable it's true this was a very it was a very relatable episode like you could real like they did a really good job of making you feel for the characters and like become very yeah. invested very quickly in what was going on uh, i love that the kitty coasters named the appalachian oh i didn't notice that it is it's named the appalachian uh probably because oh it's tiny mountains yeah it's great it's adorable i love it um, <laughs> I wrote down here in response to Connie being like, what happens after the bubble pops? We'll be free. I wrote down here, Connie, at the economy, what happens after the bubble pops? <laughs> yeah. I really wanted myself to say this quote I had in my head. Oh my goodness. Oh. Oh, also, um, I think it's around this point where, uh, where Steven's just casually tons of horrible accidents happen here every day yeah funland it's unsafe yeah <laughs> health work your safety boards not in the steven universe world apparently no um i think maybe it's a little i i like the little jokes like this but then also you've got like when you conceptualize in the wider world you're like maybe terrible accidents do happen here this world's pretty fucked up <laughs> Yeah. Um, the subtle horror and the, sometimes the overt horror of Steven Universe. Mm hmm. Uh, I, when they hit the bottom of the ocean and they're walking along, and Steven's just like desperately, desperately trying to salvage the situation, it is the most first date is going bad vibes that's ever existed. Like, yeah, like even if the date's not like because, you know, the date's not probably in the wider scheme of things, date's not necessarily go because this is a date, obviously. Um, like this reminds like so when I fir first uh, started dating Mary, we went to this restaurant, but Mary was so nervous that she couldn't eat. Uh, but Aww. I thought she hated the restaurant because she didn't communicate this to oh, me. No. <laughs> and this is like oh, this no. has like a very similar vibe. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, it just, it, 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 it's just curls you up on the inside in such a visceral way. It's really good. Um, mm -hmm. man, I want to bring up a point. I used to, th like, when I first watched Steven Universe, like, like, when it first came out, I had this conception, I don't know why, like, Steven, maybe it's because I just, like, dumped the whole thing into my brain over a weekend like the first season um but like I, I don't know why but I kind of found Steven to be initially a little annoying uh but like as I've gotten he's just so like maybe it's because I've interacted with more children Steven's age on a regular basis now uh or I'm just older and less fucking edgy than I was eight <laughs> fucking years ago I don't know um been worn down by the world so i've got less edge um but like i don't know just very find it very 
like I just find him way more endearing than I did the first time I watched season one. Because usually when I rewatch the show, I don't usually watch all of season one. Uh, and that feels like a mistake on my part. So just wanted to throw that out there, I guess. Like the er- yeah. earnestness of Steven is so much more endearing than to me than it was the first time that I watched through it. Yeah, I mean, I definitely know that even even as little as like four or five years ago, I probably would have found Steven to be a kind of frustrating character. But I think, you know, as I've gotten older, I can more readily appreciate where the show's going with him and as far as like presenting him as a boy of a certain age with as few of the trappings of like being a sexist and like having you know going back to portraying him with you know, as little toxic masculinity as possible. It's like, I would never have appreciated that five years ago or so. And now it's just like, wow, this is, you know, really nice. A kid who's not just mean for the sake of being mean in a show aimed at a younger audience. Right. Cause like, it's an easy trap to fall. Like, especially, especially animation from the era that it's from, it's like an easy trap to fall into, you know? Like I like, mm-hmm other shows like i it's weird because i guess it also like it comes a little bit maybe out of the dna of adventure time um the obviously like finn and steven radically different protagonists um yeah because like the interesting thing is like finn sort of has to deal with with this idea like this idealization of being a hero as, as that series goes on um and steven already starts kind of like well ahead of finn on the emotional intelligence level um Mm -hmm. but i don't know it's very interesting that it comes out of that in like but you look at other cartoons of the like of that era uh they or even now like cartoons are aimed at like especially like have little boy protagonists that are kind of action adventure shows like i don't think that steven universe is what cartoon network would have previously labeled as like a boy show um but, like, you know, you look at something like, uh, like, Ben 10 from the area. Like, Ben from Ben 10 is a little fucking shithead the whole fucking time. Like, especially in that, like, first couple of seasons. Because uh, I remember watching that show <laughs> and being like, oh, this God. little shit is a fuck-ass. Yeah, Danny Phantom too. but I don't remember. Is Danny Phantom supposed to be a middle schooler or a high schooler? I don't know. I, I'm not in on the Danny Phantom fandom. Uh, I don't... Here's the thing, like, when it's good, it's really good, but for the most part, it isn't that good. Yeah. Oh, you know what, uh, probably a, de- a decent show to compare this to is, is, like, maybe Fairly Odd Parents. That's, you know, another Butch Hartman property that when it's good, it's really good, and unfortunately, for the most part, it's not. Yeah, exactly. But, like, if you, you compare the those characters, like... Steven is, Steven is the kind of kid you oh. want the kids to be like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. This, is, it, it, this isn't Steven learning a lesson. It's Steven being a lesson. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like, it, it's... I am glad that animation is moving in such a way 
that it's aimed at kids and it's, it's giving them like it's not moralizing them it's giving them role models they can relate to and want to emulate you know mm-hmm. like steven universe frankly even adventure time even though i feel like by the time like in later seasons adventure time really started leaning hard on its older audience mm-hmm. um but like um infinity train or um what's the one with the the gravity falls yeah stuff like that shira that all that jazz not voltron fuck you voltron oh don't do not get me started <laughs> is that on our that? new third segment is voltron discourse <laughs> i mm, mm. had so much hope for it i'm glad Dr- i'm glad dreamworks seems to have gotten their shit together slightly slightly mm-hmm. but you know you know the difference though is like you know um the guy who did gravity falls isn't a shithead rebecca sugar isn't a shithead butch hartman fucking shithead total shithead misogynistic transphobic fuckwit it's true fucking um, weird it's like if you hire good people they make good things yeah um anyways the show <laughs> yes uh i like man uh connie gets them gendo glasses <laughs> uh, i wrote down here connie's got the gendo glasses <laughs> that's all i yeah. wrote down i like it's good like i love seeing it's at like the the subtle anime influence you know what i mean it's not going for like we're gonna be a western anime like avatar the last airbender where it's still telling like again like a more serialized um but still, like, kind of episodic, more Western-style cartoon in its storytelling, where Steven Universe is, like, leans real heavy in a more Western art style. But this motherfucker, this is an anime show. Yeah. Like, this is a slice-of-life fucking anime, for sure. Um, it yeah. feels more like... It's got more of those tropes and everything in it. Um, the... When they sink it down to the bottom of the ocean, like, it's... Steven and Connie, like, Steven pulling Connie back from, like, her, her spiral, being like, oh, like, not, not trying to placate her, but, like, just being Steven at her, being like, all right, I've got to stop, stop, he stopped putting on, he started being himself, like, he got, he realized there was a problem and he needed to help her, uh, it's really good, the, uh, but, honestly, honestly, like, Connie's meltdown is also really good though because sometimes you just have to own up to the fact that it's not okay yeah um which is you know especially relevant in you know today's current everything right because you know shit's not okay sometimes you don't need somebody saying it's okay it's okay it's okay no just you know, in the the famous hyperbole and a half thing, it's like you know, no, just acknowledge that my goldfish are dead, and you know, be there with me, kind of thing. Right, exactly. But you don't see that sort of stuff aimed at younger audiences generally. So it's nice to see Connie have that kind of breakdown to see Stephen like respond to it in an emotionally intelligent way. Um, just the whole thing is just really good um i wrote down here uh we can be friends like that line from steven i'm like oh cool i'm glad that they in episode uh seven they laid out the entire thesis for what the series will be (laughs) uh because this is basically the thesis for the series as we go forward (laughs) um 
the I like Steven throwing himself on the grenade of the giant worm monster, like not even think not even second guessing it being like, ah, yes, I'm the like, this is what I have to do. I've got to save. I've got to save Connie. I can fix this, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, very big, very good vibes. Uh, with, uh, I wrote, uh, oh, I guess in response to Steven giving her the bracelet and them all laughing together, I wrote, fuck, they are cute with four exclamation points. Yeah. Then yeah. Steven saving Connie, I wrote, Steven's a good kid, because mm, I've got the be- I've got the most detailed notes in the world here. <laughs> and then I wrote in all capital letters, uh, cute hand holding. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Those are the rest of my notes for the episode. So um I do want to skip back a little bit mm-hmm. to uh when Steven was was telling Connie about like finding her bracelet and wanting to meet her and stuff. I thought that it was really nicely framed because like with lesser creators that sort of uh that sort of arc would come off as creepy and stalkerish, but this is just really sweet and you trust Steven not to be shitty about it he genuinely just wanted to be her friend right he like he wanted he actually wanted to give her bracelet like at no point do i ever feel like steven was being of weird like he's so earnest it's hard to think of him having an ulterior motive to wanting to give her bracelet back yeah like he just genuinely wanted to give her bracelet back and he wanted to meet her and like i don't think there's anything wrong with like wanting to go up and talk to somebody you find interesting as long as you're not yeah. a fucking weirdo about it um but like it's just it is really like and i again we're back to like that's the anime plot right there this is our fucking like shoujo anime meet cute you know mm-hmm. like and it's just like ugh. It feels so fucking good. This is an episode of Sailor Moon. This is an episode of Sailor Moon happening right now. Except you probably wouldn't fight a monster at the bottom of the ocean. It would just be some kind of, like, vaguely queer-coded bad guy uh, that we would all love. (laughs) Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, Now I'm just trying to figure out which uh, Sailor Connie most closely maps to. uh, It's probably Neptune. Okay, I'll believe you. Yeah. I'll, I'll see for myself. We'll have to revisit this during Connie episodes. <laughs> I feel like she's, I feel like she's very much Sailor Neptune. That's the, that's the blue one, right? Which blue one? Neptune is, Neptune is the, the gay blue one. Well, okay. It's, yeah, you're going to fucking need the, to the, nail, nail, nail that shit down. The textually gay blue one, as in canonically in an established relationship with a woman blue one everybody else is relatively subtext but they're mercury i was thinking of mercury (laughs) my bad okay she's mercury she's sailor mercury i can see that yeah she's an adorable nerd that you only want good things to happen to yes um so yeah, uh, I like the 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 gems coming in at the end, and Amethyst being like, "Well, introduce us to your little girlfriend." <laughs> so good. I love Amethyst. She's so good. I love her so much. I love all the gems. Like they're just they have such vibrant personalities without being like 
running like they have vibrant personalities without becoming like they're obviously set up to be kind of like riffs on stock characters but even already at episode seven we're seeing like differences and nuances in the that stock characterization mm-hmm. uh this show's good i forgot this it's show's good really show. good all right uh would you like to move on to serious steven yes okay serious steven let's see what the official synopsis is on this one Steven tries to prove himself to be a worthy crystal gem to Garnet while they navigate their way out of an ancient gem maze. Holy shit! That's the plot of the episode! I... It only took them eight episodes to get to... the actual episode. The official synopsis writers watched exactly one episode of Steven Universe, we can tell so far. (laughs) Um... So the episode begins with Steven, uh, with a, uh, I think a flashback. It doesn't say two weeks before, like two weeks before. After, after the end of the cold open, it says two weeks later. Okay. Okay. Sorry. My bad. So, uh, it's cold open. Steven's laying on the ground at Funland. Chaos is all around him. Uh, and then like, bam, two weeks later, uh, the gyms are going on a mission. Uh, Pearl is like. Be careful, Steven. Don't fucking die. And Steven's like, listen, I'm going to be fine. She's like, why did you bring a ukulele to, to this gym adventure? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's a mood. Man, um, yeah, that that is such a mood. God, he's, anyways, um, they end up in a uh, an ancient gym battlefield uh, that has been grown, o- or grown over by wild strawberries, even though they're huge. And no one remarks on the fact that they're gigantic. Um, again, Art in this show is so good, uh, especially background art. Best backgrounds in the fucking business, baby. Um, so they uh, make their way to the temple, and Garnet is very Pearl is very doting. Uh, Garnet is like, let's just be chill, just like chill out. Um, Amethyst is just kind of there this episode. I'm not gonna lie. Um, uh. Pearl mentions an incident, uh, or Pearl talks about how this used to be an ancient gem battlefield, uh, and how it's so nice that it's been grown over. Um, we come across a giant temple. Uh, they enter the temple. Um, it, it has a very, has a very interesting, like, it has this very deified or sanct, uh, sanctified, like, vibe to it, uh, and then Steven immediately shatters that by playing with the echo. Um... So, uh, Stephen touches, like, a thing in the middle of the temple. They get sucked up into the temple. Pearl is like, this is too dangerous. Stephen, you can't go anywhere. Amethyst is like, come with me. Pearl's like, Jesus Christ, no. Uh, Garnet's like, listen, Stephen's gonna go into the temple. He's gonna come with me. Um, you've gotta be serious, Stephen. Stephen's like, I'm gonna be very serious. Uh, they go into the temple. It's a series of death traps, uh, Steven is more and more put upon as they go through the three different death traps. Uh, he seems very kind of sunken and sallow. Pearl mentions the teacup ride. Steven's very dis- uh, defensive about that. Um, finally, they get uh, to the last room. It's very intense. It's like a fucking uncharted level. Uh, Steven has a flashback to the teacup incident. Uh, basically, they get on this big t- giant teacup ride. 
uh, Steven has a bad time and then jumps off of it. Middle of the ride. Yeah. There's no seatbelts on this motherfucker. I guess horrible accidents do happen all the time at Funland. Uh, Jesus fucking Christ. Put some seatbelts in there, Mr. Smiley. Uh, chaos ensues. Basically, like, uh, Steven lands on the control center. Shit just goes haywire. Um, they get back to the center of the room. Uh, Pearl and Amethyst are there. No one can seem to get, figure out what's going on with the temple. They go through the rooms, but only ever end up back at the central chamber. Uh, Steven basically has a panic attack, and he's like, I can't do this. It's this exactly like the fun land incident and then he has an epiphany it is like the funland incident they're being spun around garnet punches right through the floor uh and it turns out that they are in fact being spun around uh steven pulls the gem out of the gem powered machine the temple explodes uh steven sings a little song and is attacked by butterflies star wipe okay uh, oh i have digital notes this time let me get those pulled up first of all <laughs> mm-hmm fantastic cold open it was great i loved it it's really evocative it's like really really evocative you're like what the like if if i didn't know what the fuck was happening like you want to know like what the fuck is happening here Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm it it was just it's so good it it lasts all of what like 30 seconds but tells you so much right like it's like, I know I har- I think I've harped on this in literally every episode, but they do such a good job at, like, packing stuff in without feeling... Like, these episodes never feel like they're only 11 minutes long. Like, they always feel like you get a full episode's worth of content in every episode, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, they... they like, it's all thriller, no fucking filler, basically, every episode. Even though this is probably the most fillery episode that we've watched so far. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like that's reflected by the fact that I don't have very many notes on this episode. It's true. Um, uh, mine are like, I like, there's very subtle, like, the world building is really good. I think, like, the the low-key, subtle background world building is really good in it. Like, this is an ancient gym battlefield. Wait, what? There was an ancient gym war? Uh, And then, like, there's a big mural on, did you check, like, scope of the mural that's on the inside of the temple? Yeah, like I did. Rose Quartz fighting some big monster. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it's like dropping some solid hints that we'll eventually come back to. But like, we're not lingering on them. We're like, yeah, some histories happen. There has been a history. It was a violent one, in fact. But like, we're not there anymore. You know, we're only in mm-hmm. cleanup at this point. Um, The <laughs> I wrote here, Stephen takes a lot of punishment for a human child. <laughs> I yeah. guess he's not a human child. Um, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just like slams into everything. Yeah. Um I mean, I guess he's got he's not in fact an actual human and you know, he's in he's seemingly incredibly durable uh from other stuff that we've witnessed, but holy shit. Uh, I don't know in what response to what, but I wrote down, God, these episodes are cute. These are, I, this is a good palate cleanser trio after, like, the fucking horror show from last time. 
Yes. Uh, thank God. Yes. I don't like is like I'm. We're gonna get into more horrifying episodes. I think actually next time. Um, but nonetheless, this is a very like these are very cute. These are very good palate cleansers, and I think. The nice thing is with Steven Universe, even when you get to air quotes filler episodes, like I've like I, I've always been on the side that like the towny episodes or the air quotes fillery episodes of Steven Universe aren't ever really that. Like they're just character spotlights. Like they're not pushing the plot along, but they're giving you a reason to give a fuck about the plot. Because if you don't give a fuck about these characters, you don't give a shit about the plot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they do a really good job because this feels like a garnet spotlight episode even though she doesn't say a whole lot she's not like a she's not very verbose right but garnet is like full-on supportive mom vibes like big mom vibes she's the biggest mom physically speaking she's a very large mom yes um i think at one point i wrote down wife city wife wife city i don't know why in that regard (laughs) but i did write that in regards to garnet uh, <laughs> I guess this whole episode, frankly. Uh, oh, I think it's when she uh, parkoured off of floating objects and then shoved her, like, landed so hard her feet embedded in a, in a vertical in a vertical wall. Um, yeah. Uh, I like that Garnet is like very like going back to Garnet being like very supportive by comparison to Pearl, who's not trying to be mean by any chance she's not like she is not trying to be condescending or limiting on steven she's just very worried about him yeah because in fact he's a squishy human child and they're aliens yeah um she's and i I, you know her concerns are valid but i like that garnet isn't like garnet isn't like pearl you're being hysterical she's like listen we just she says it in a way that's like steven has to do this stuff he has to experience these things if he's going to be a crystal gym he has to do the crystal gym stuff um and if garnet's with him it's not like she's never going to let anything bad happen to him um except i guess he did almost fall on fire and then there was all of the the spikes a number of bad things almost happened to Steven now after I said those words that <laughs> I think about it. It's fine. He's fine. He's fine. It's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Um, uh, I, I think this is also kind of continuing kind of the, I, I feel like kind of the arc of these three episodes are showing like Steven in, kind of like in Frybo and Catfingers too, like the the theme the main theme that we've gotten so far in the show is like Stephen earnestly trying to prove himself like he is ready for things he can do these things he doesn't like look at me I can do like he wants the crystal gems to see how how he how good he is you know he wants people mm-hmm. to see he wants to fix problems he he wants to prove himself constantly and it's uh like it hurts me inside <laughs> frankly <laughs> um. The, I don't know, I feel like I'm just kind of, like, rambling through my notes at this point. Like, there's there's honestly not a, like, it's a good episode, there's, but it's not a meaty one. Yeah, like, the, the main things I wrote down um, were just kind of, like, quotes that I fi- found entertaining. It was a very um, good quippy episode. <laughs> yes, definitely always never touch magical things. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Pearl sitting in the teacup ride with the the little teapot, teapot going, I misunderstood the point of this ride. Um, I did also want to say that uh, Garnet's willingness to throw her loved ones is admirable. She will just, Uh, she'll just throw a motherfucker. (laughs) Yeah, she'll, she'll just do it. She doesn't need any justification or provocation. Um, and also, how many gem temples is Stephen going to directly or indirectly cause the destruction of? Because we're two for two now. I don't think, I think, I think this gem temple was partly an illusion. Because it seemed like a large portion of it was made out of light constructs. Mm. Because, like, it dissolved into the gem. The gems are made out of hard light. Ah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if, I don't think that's a spoiler, but they explain their physiology like they're made out of hard light. Um, and so I think, obviously there were physical parts of it because like rubble exploded, but I think like the inner workings and stuff like were primarily like hard light, Mm -hmm. seemed like to me. Um, I liked Pearl being like, Amethyst being like, come with me, Steven. Pearl being like, you two are a disaster <laughs> waiting to happen. Yeah. It's like, that's true. This is probably a true fact. <laughs> Steven would be dead. <laughs> yeah. Steven would have died. Oh, yeah. um, not even to say that, like, Amethyst would have been directly the cause of it, but he would have. Um, oh, yeah. I like how immediately... Pearl realizes that she made a mistake when Stephen mentions the teacups. Mm-hmm. Like, she's like, oh no, I've, like, immediately, like, no, like, immediately goes to being like, oh, I've pushed him too hard, or I shouldn't have said that. Like, it's very good, because Pearl can be kind of, kind of naggy, frankly. Uh, yes. But I like that, like, again, it's showing characters fucking up but then apologizing or trying to at the very least like make good on those fuck ups which is good and be like it's a small and subtle thing but oh also uh the music in this episode is fantastic i loved the the music in the uh room where they have to step on the lighted panels and then steven steps off of it and the music change was phenomenal it is so good god it's just like the <laughs> They nail so many parts of this show. Like, again, I feel like Steven Universe, you can feel the DNA of Adventure Time because Adventure Time put a very big emphasis on music in its show. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca Sugar, I mean, Rebecca Sugar wrote a lot of songs for Adventure Time. Um, I th- think she primarily wrote like a like she wrote a lot of Marceline songs. Mm-hmm. Um, in Adventure Time, but like, and she writes like she wrote wrote like the original like the the theme for this show. Apparently, like the, part of the music creation process will be like sometimes, obviously, like background music and stuff. Like the the composers whose names I can't remember off the top of my head, uh, but the like kind of the in house composers for Steven Universe, they do a lot of that stuff on their own, obviously. But when there's big songs or something like that, it's a collaborative process between Rebecca Sugar and the and, and the composers. Like they work back and forth about like nailing like vibes and tunes. Like she'll send them like little ukulele demos of stuff that she wants. So mm-hmm. it's very like music. This show real good with music. Just fucking like it slaps all the time. The yeah. um the composers were explaining at one point in time that they have kind of like they've given every all of the gyms have um their own musical components. Like um 
Amethyst is very drum-heavy music when it's just her themes, and Pearl is very, like, uh, symphonic and violins, and then Garnet is very bass-heavy, and then Steven is, mm-hmm. like, chiptunes. Uh, but they've designed them in such a way so they can put it all together at, at one time, and you can actually hear them, like, doing that blend in the, the like, the We Are the Crystal Gems theme song. Mm-hmm. It's very, like, it's very interesting. Like, they do such a really good, they just really good job doing compositional work for this show. Um, and that's it, basically. No, but seriously, <laughs> no, but seriously, how many, how many gem temples is Steven going to cause the destruction of? And does this thematically represent, like, the way that Steven chooses to engage with his heritage as a member of a force of aliens that are colonizers. That is really interesting. I don't know if that's a... Su- I can't remember how many more temples that Stephen destroys, but I think at least one more. <laughs> okay. Um, And then, like, then kind of the show begins to move away uh, from the Monster of the Week sort of vibe that we're on um, and into more of a fully serialized storytelling thing. So there's less, like, mm-hmm. go to the fancy location. But Stephen does eventually start sort of contending with that colonizational, like, aspects. Um, I think it's after kind of the mid-season point of this season that he really starts to, because, like, that's when shit starts to get heavy. Like, the heaviness okay. starts to flow in about midway through this, like, season one. Because, um, like, right now, they're really just kind of laying the groundwork for the world, uh, which they need to because it's a very, it's a weirdly complex history. <laughs> But they, they dole it out to you in a very slow way. Um, that's pretty much it. I don't have anything else, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good episode. It's just not a meaty one. Yeah. All right. Moving on to Tiger Millionaire. One sentence God. synopsis. One sentence. Steven joins mm-hmm. Amethyst in an underground wrestling league, which I guess is the plot, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... It's one and done. Nailed it in one. Um, so, the episode begins with the gems returning to the temple. Uh, Pearl is yelling at Amethyst for being too childish on their mission. Uh, Steven is covered in gunk from a blood polyp. Fucking gross. Uh, yeah. Those are bad words together. Uh, which he considers fun at first, but then it hardens and he kind of gets stuck there. Um, Garnet or uh, Amethyst and Pearl yell back and forth at each other, and then Amethyst sort of looks to Garnet to be sort of the tiebreaker into air in her favor, but Garnet's like, you need to fucking act more serious for real. Um, Amethyst gets very upset about this and runs to her room. Uh, Pearl and Garnet leave, leaving Steven stuck statuesque in front of the refrigerator. Later that night, Steven's fallen asleep in his weird body cocoon. Um, Amethyst is seen sneaking out of the temple. Uh, Steven falls over and is freed, thank God. Uh, <laughs> and he follows Amethyst. Uh, Amethyst turns into a big wrestler called the Purple Puma, and she's fighting in the uh, Beach City Underground Wrestling League. Um, she beats the shit out of the Loch Ness blogger. Mm, that's a good gimmick, and I need somebody to take it in real life. Uh, who is it's Ronaldo in a Loch Ness monster head? Hey, Luchasaurus, I've got a pitch for you. <laughs> um, what if you became the Loch Ness blogger? Um, 
So Steven talks to Amethyst after it, and she's like, listen, I just kind of do this because, like, I feel very stifled at home, um, and here, if, like, people can't really tell me what to do, but, like, people enjoy my antics, basically, here. And Steven's like, please let me join in. Uh, Ameth- uh, Amethyst agrees. Steven puts on uh, the persona of Tiger Millionaire, uh, who is, like, a, basically a jungle philanthropist, I think, more or less. His dad owned a coconut mine, so obvious heel heat there for me. Uh, <laughs> uh, he and Amethyst return to uh, get into the tag team league. Steven is less of uh, Amethyst's tag team partner, more of like her heel manager. Um, but they really, uh, they oh, actually they say po- popular heel in this uh, official uh, Wikipedia thing, so they use heel face dynamics. Good job with this Wikipedia for knowing wrestling terms. Um, Steven takes it a little too far, uh, and slaps the drink out of Lars's hand, who has become, like, probably his only fan. Uh, Lars is the guy who, who the smart Mark who, who cheers for the heels. Um, and, uh, Steven feels really bad about that. They call him the cruelest creature that ever lived. Holy shit. Jesus. <laughs> um, that's some JR fucking, uh, lines right there. Um. They go to wrestle for the tag team championships uh, when Pearl and Garnet show up. Uh, Amethyst gets into a scuffle because she's like, don't take this fucking away from me. Um, Steven uh, calms everybody down by telling Purple Puma's backstory, which is kind of like a uh, kind of like, you know, him trying to like put through what Amethyst is feeling. Garnet realized that like she and Pearl have made a mistake. Uh, they take on the persona of these new heel wrestlers, which I believe are Captain Square and Pearl gets no name. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Pearl or Garnet and Amethyst apologize to each other, uh, and Steven and Amethyst uh, climb the ladder, get the tag teams. Um, uh, <laughs> and the shot ends with uh, uh, Lars shedding a single tear going, I love you, Tiger Millionaire. <laughs> And then Star Wipe. It's so good. Oh God. Okay. There's there's this so is a much good, good stuff about fucking this episode. episode, man. Ah, uh, it's um, so good. It's so good. So they really lean into am- like so. Stephen is like uh, I think right now because the birthday episode is coming up. Stephen is right now 11 years old. And then when too many birthdays happens, I believe that's his 12th birthday. And then after that, mm-hmm. there's another birthday episode where. We know that he's 13. Uh, so, so they really, like, they really, really, really lean into, like, the brother-sister dynamic between C- Stephen and Amethyst. Because, like, Amethyst is, like, going fucking full teenager at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. Uh, it's good. Like, it's really good. Like, this is an argument you have. Like, because, like, I don't get the motherly quality out of, like, this decidedly feels like, like, the Crystal Gems, especially Pearl and Amethyst, they also have, like, a sibling relationship to them. But, like, the much older sibling, like, taking care of sort of thing. It's interesting. Yeah. Th- like, this would be a sitcom where, like, you know... Amethyst, yeah. honestly, Amethyst reads, like, the, the older sibling who dropped out of college after the first year kind of thing yeah. like she reads as like 19-ish to me right right and then like pearl and pearl and garnet are like the much older siblings who you know had their lives together or something 
I mean, Pearl's never yeah. had her life together. Uh, no. <laughs> Garnet she's, has, though. She, she, she's wants you to think that she's a distinguished lesbian, but everybody knows that she's actually a disaster lesbian. Right, she's wine drunk every night. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, like, the teenager vibe, like, it's, it's really good because, like, It, it, it's them wanting they don't put that level of Pearl would never be well okay she might she might be but we've never seen Pearl be that harsh to Steven about his actions even though like Steven does act recklessly or acts without thinking like Pearl has never been that aggressive or that like frankly kind of mean to Steven but mm-hmm. she will be that mean to Amethyst. Because, frankly, she's being kind of fucking mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And then, but, like, I like Amethyst did fuck up. You know what I mean? It's not like saying Amethyst was blameless in this situation. She probably should have touched the blood polyp. Jesus Christ. Never touched the blood polyp. Uh, fuck, that is such a bad, it's bad two words together. It hurts. It's it's bad to say. It, it, it feels bad in the mouth. It's a bad mouthfeel. It's a really bad mouthfeel. I mean, they probably picked that intentionally. They don't want to make it oh, a yeah. good thing. Um, but Garnet being like the put upon sort of like decider and being like over the bickering as a whole, but like seeing Amethyst as to blame for the bickering, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very good. Um, solid, solid teenager vibes right there um the wrestling uh, it's just like so so i'm just gonna step back because i know you've probably got notes at this point with like the reveal of the purple puma and all that jazz yeah (laughs) so like okay amethyst and her relationship with like her her shape-shifting um is something that is very interesting to me and at this point I can't think that it isn't deliberate deliberately meant to kind of evoke uh somebody who's interested in body modification um and in relation to like their gender um because like she this is not the first time that she has chosen a form that is distinctly meant to be read as masculine mm-hmm. and to the point here uh, the that they use puma, he him pronouns for the purple puma yes the purple puma is meant to use he him pronouns steven uses she her once and corrects himself and everybody else refers to him as he him and you know obviously Amethyst never says anything about it, but the fact that Stephen explicitly corrects himself means that that is definitely an intentional choice by Amethyst. Right. So, like, Amethyst, gender fluid, confirmed. Yeah, I would say, I would say, I would, I would frankly say that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like, Amethyst has a much more fluid relationship with both her form and her presentation. Uh, yeah. And I, I mean, Steven Universe is very good about presenting like non-binary or like gender fluid characters. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to get a very big one 
uh, later on in this season, like much later into this season. And then way, way later in like Steven Universe future, like we have like a, a non-binary character in Shep. Um, and we see like we see other non-binary characters, like non-binary characters as well, ones that like identify with they them pronouns. Um, yeah. Well, like, Stevani canonically uses they, them pronouns. Yeah, that's who right? I was saying. I didn't know you knew about okay. Stevani, yeah. so I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, spoil Stevani. But yeah, Stevani no, uses they, them No, I've lived on pro- the internet long enough. That's I true, know I about Stevani. Like, Stevani uses they, them pronouns, and just from the mm. jump uses they, them pronouns, and no one ever questions it or try. like, there's no weird figuring it out. Like, everyone's like, yep, all right, cool, non-binary, they, them pronouns, let's go. Um, and then when yeah. Steven, if Steven fuses with other, like, Steven eventually fuses with all, like, it's a fucking anime, so eventually Steven mm. fuses with everybody, right? Um, yes. And, like, the, like when he's fused with, like, Garnet or Pearl or Amethyst, like, they, those characters also use they, them pronouns. Oh, um, neat. Yeah, and then Shep, eventually, this isn't, like, Steven Universe future, Shep is, like, we're introduced to a character, is straight up and down just a regular human that uses straight they, them pronouns, which is nice. Yeah. Um, and is referred to explicitly as somebody's partner. Like, it's really good. Solid. Um, but yeah, like, Steven Universe, it, it, we had some stumbling blocks, especially in Cat Fingers, but this is what mm-hmm. I was kind of referring to. I didn't want to, like, spoil it for you, but I felt yeah. like they do a, they, they come at things a couple of, they come at this same idea a couple of different times, especially when it comes like your body and your relationship to your body and your presentation, and all that jazz. They come at it more than a few times, and I feel like they've got more hits than misses on that regard. Yeah. Yeah, this definitely, this episode definitely sits a lot better with me than Catfingers did in that regard. Um, it. I think they had an idea in Catfingers about like Steven pushing his powers too far and didn't mm-hmm. think about the wider wider conceptualization with it when i think going into this episode they did that like the shape-shifting yeah. was paramount to this plot you know what i mean yeah yeah um i mean listen the fact that they took the swing at all <laughs> and did yeah. a pretty no, okay I mean, job frankly especially when this came what 2014 when this came out something like that yeah, yeah. so pretty Frankly, a character who just randomly, who who shifts between uh, masculine and feminine pronouns, just cash in 2014 is a pretty big fucking deal that I don't, I've never hear people, everybody talks about Stevani, Stevani's a big fucking deal, a not like a, a canonically non-binary character, uh, big deal, frankly, and, and does deserve the, the sort of praise, but I don't hear people talk about like Amethyst's relationship to gender as much, because I guess primarily well, she uses she, her pronouns, but... Yeah, like, do we ever see the purple puma again? Yes. Oh! Yeah, there's a a follow-up episode way later in the series called uh, Tiger Philanthropist. Uh, (laughs) Nice. And uh, also, purple puma kind of becomes, like, Amethyst's go-to battle form. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, We'll see the purple puma. It's not necessarily, people aren't like, the purple puma is there, but Amethyst will shift into this form uh, on a pretty regular basis. Okay. Well, -hmm. I just meant more like the purple puma as a character, because, like, you know, if this is just a one-off thing, then it's easy to not really, like, internalize the fact that, you know, as the purple puma, he uses he-him pronouns. Right. So. Yeah. Purple Puma comes back specifically in a, a Tiger Philanthropist, like the the kind of sequel episode to this. Nice. 
I don't know if it, there's no more wrestling spotlights after that. The plot is really like starting to hit by the time Tiger Philanthropist comes around, so there's less mm-hmm. time for like fun wrestling diversions. Yeah, um, that's sad. Yeah, it's true. Man, so, so, Lars and Sadie are uh, definitely on a date, right? Like they're on a date. They they've got to be right. Yeah, like Sadie is the girlfriend who's been drugged to the wrestling show. <laughs> well, like, is it is she the girlfriend who's been drugged to the res- wrestling show, or is she the friend who's been drugged to the re- wrestling show who is there because she's pining? Mm, mm, that's a good point. I feel like maybe it is that second thing. Like, at least she does seem to be enjoying herself, so it's not like she's, you know, making herself miserable. Yeah, uh, yeah. For it's just like the... Yeah, I, Sorry, I like that occasion. Oh no, never, no, no. I like that she's occasionally bored. Like as a person who's gone to a number of fucking indie wrestling shows, uh, sometimes the matches are uh, boring. Especially at the like the more, the more rinky dink it is, the more likely it's just like some guys who this is like their fifth match ever, mm-hmm. and it's like a bunch of headlocks and crisscrosses, and you're like, I see what you're doing here, guys, but I'm gonna check out. I'm gonna go look at the merch stands. I'll be back. <laughs> like yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to point that out, like, the, the progression of, of, like, Sadie and Lars as our continuous background characters is always very fun to me. Um, they're pretty cool. It, they're, they're pretty cool. I like them a lot. Uh, Stephen Amethyst just bonding really hard o- over, like, being like, God, our parental figures, jeez. Yeah, I loved, I loved Stephen's, uh, impressions of, uh garnet and pearl those were absolutely adorable they were they were such good little kid things Mm -hmm. uh just trying to relate to your older sibling you know like uh, yeah so good um i like steven explaining his massive backstory for yes millionaire and amethyst being like i think pumas are cool and i wrote down here those are literally the only two types of backstories in wrestling yeah (laughs) Yeah. Either very elaborate or I wrestle. Yes. <laughs> There's no in between. You're either the Undertaker or Daniel Bryan. Like, yeah, it's it's good though. It's really good. Um, I wrote down in that first match where like Steven's like that's against the rules, and he's like, "There's no rules in wrestling." I'm like, "Bullshit! There's rules in wrestling." <laughs> <laughs> What's this ECW bullshit? Yeah, but uh, Purple Puma's a heel, so there are no rules in wrestling. That's I feel like Beach City Underground is just ECW, and Steven hasn't been like, we just don't get to see Steven taking a fucking thumbtack bump or something. Mm. Like, <laughs> um, oh, like the, bring it like the thing, um, you're talking about Sadie being like the pining one where like Lars gets the tie and like Sadie's like cute little smile at Lars like ah oh, romance <laughs> um Steven needs to lean into being a heel better MJF would have taken that drink signed it oh. then thrown it on the ground yeah you gotta watch good MJF promo there's yeah, no better but- there's no better heel in the world than MJF MJF is so fucking good um, um. Yeah, but I mean, Steven is too, too pure. It's true. Um, although, like, holy, I have written here, holy shit, Amethyst, are you okay? 
um, because of the conversation that uh, they have right after that um, with the, you know, um, I only feel how I want to feel. That's oh yeah, lot. I wrote down. I wrote down uh, in response to that. Mm-mm, good, good angst. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, like we the, don't actually. The interesting thing is, we don't really resolve that in this episode. We no. get to like kind of a we get to kind of a band aid resolution, but like I feel like they're setting that up as a core conceit of Amethyst's character mm-hmm. that she does not feel good about herself. Yeah. Uh, Which, th- you know, again, that that's some good, good trans person feels. Yeah, exactly. And it's, I mean, it's related to a lot of things. Um, and it kind of comes back, I, I think, I think it's called the, I can't remember if the episode's called the kindergarten, but we'll go to the kindergarten. Um, we'll go to where Amethyst came from. Right. Mm. And we'll get some more kind of elaboration on this. But it's something that Amethyst really deals with for a long time in the series. And I it's it, I don't remember it being set up this early, to be perfectly honest. I did not remember that part of Tiger or of Tiger Millionaire. And it's really cool to see that here. Um, and it's interesting that they pay it off a little bit, but not fully. So we can come back to it and realize, like, OK, so this is a deeper thing. This is a character trait moving forward. Mm hmm. Uh, I wrote down that the other team is basically the Von Eriks. Um, you don't, I don't know if you know who the Von Eriks are. They're like an 80, they're like a, a 70s, 80s wrestling family. But these motherfuckers look straight up like the Von Eriks. Um, the, I think the fight, the fight, God, like that fight between Amethyst and uh, Garnet is like anime as shit. Like oh, this is God, immediately yeah. anime, like fucking Dragon Ball Z has arrived. Yeah. It was very good. I found it very interesting that neither of them appeared to really be holding their, or, you know, pulling their punches. Right. Like, Amethyst is legitimately mad at Garnet for trying to take this away from her. Uh, I mean, she throws the first punch in the fight, you know? But, like, Garnet yeah. doesn't try to de-escalate. She wants to fucking fight, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is good, and- because I think that that mutual apology at the end is good because it means that neither one of both of them wanted this fight just because amethyst threw the first punch doesn't necessarily mean that they both did not want that fucking fight to happen yes absolutely um, and <laughs> i wrote down here in giant letters face turn baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like oh god it's like such the most face turn like you just show up with some different heels right like all you need yeah. to do to turn a heel face is get some other heels Yes. Um, but like the little story is really sweet. Like it's very, it, it, it's very Steven of like, yeah. I feel like Steven wrote this backstory after having that conversation with Amethyst being again, like he was going to tell her about this thing. This is once again, this is Steven demonstrating that he has a better understanding of other people than he does of himself. Right. I think, like, the like there, there's kind of, like, a joke about Steven Universe that his, like, real power is just empathy. But, like, I mm-hmm. think that's what, it, like, his real power is just understanding people. Like, he's good at seeing people and trying, desperately trying to help them and knowing that, like, no matter how bad the situation is, he can turn it around. Right? Yeah. Like, he doesn't necessarily need to fight people. Um, And I think here, he's not necessarily, he's not a, pa- like, Steven is not a pacifist. I, I've heard people refer to Steven as a pacifist. Like, he'll fight people 
if he feels like he doesn't have a choice. But he yeah. doesn't want to. Like, he'll fight people if the, somebody else is in danger. He'll get fucking in it. Um, especially later down the line when he has more powers than uh, Faulty Shield and Faulty Bubble. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, again, you know, it's Steven's real power is empathy, and I don't... It's really interesting to see that, especially from a male protagonist in a show that has a lot of action stuff going on. Um, <laughs> I wrote down here... Pearl, I hate this. Garnet, you can be campy. Pearl grabs microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just immediately like, oh, oh, I can just be the most dramatic? Uh, yeah, I'm in. All right, yeah. Yeah. I like how Pearl's version of a, a fucking wrestling heel is just, again, a Sailor Moon bad guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, zoocyte laugh, like... Um... It was so good. It was. Uh, I My final note on this is I'm going to get those belts commissioned for us. Jesus. <laughs> We're going to oh be the God. Beach City Tag Team Champions. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. We need those, don't I, we? I'm going to figure it out. If I have, like, I'll probably get the shitty, like, I'll probably get Wildcat belts to fucking make them. Well, no, Wildcat's Jesus. the nice, the good one. I'll find some, like, shit belt company to make them. Oh uh, they'll look like garbage, but we'll own them. <laughs> oh my god. Then maybe yeah, we'll make I... that a Patreon goal. <laughs> Jesus. When we start a Patreon for this show, I guess. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I'm still deep in my feelings about Amethyst as, like, a gender-fluid person trying to deal with, you know, feelings of, uh, not liking oneself. Right? Ugh. And I- the thing is, like, the gender stuff is just, like, not commented on. No one ever finds a problem with it, which is great, frankly. Yeah, <laughs> it it seems like, based on what I understand of Steven Universe, you know, outside of, like, what we've discussed here, uh, Steven Universe, Universe seems to operate on, like, Penumbra podcast uh, logic, which is... People just know your pronouns because wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where you didn't have to fuck with dealing with uh, pronouns all the time? Yeah, that's basically how I run every fictional world I've done in a game so far. Oh, no, I, it, yeah. it's it's, just, it's a really it's great fantasy. Yeah. I love it. Um, it's good. But, it is, uh, it's real good. Also, just somebody needs to be the Loch Ness blogger. I'm going to be the Loch Ness blogger. Frankly, that's my new wrestling gimmick. I'm gonna God. be somebody hire me as your manager and I'll be the Loch Ness blogger. God. Um, that was that was so much. It was. Uh, I can't wait until we get some more Ronaldo episodes. They're really good. I mean they're terrible. He's a fucking weeboo piece of shit, but I love him. <laughs> um Alright. Uh so so we're gonna move into our, our our end of the show discussion. So while trolling uh Steven Universe Twitter. Uh, I came across something that generates death battles. I guess like the internet death battle thing. But there's like a bot that generates dumb, dumb random ones. And this one was, it's at death battle bot. And this one was death battle. Adam Cole, baby, versus Steven Universe. For people not uh, familiar with Adam Cole, because you watch Steven Universe and don't watch wrestling. A, watch wrestling. Um, it's good. It when is. it's good. Um, sometimes it has problems. Uh, but it's, it's, I like wrestling a lot. Um, 
But Adam Cole is a wrestler. He's currently signed to WWE NXT. Uh, he's the leader of a faction called Undisputed Era. He's got really good hair. He's Britt Baker's uh, boyfriend. Um, and uh, he's, he's really good. I like Adam Cole. He's a great schmarmy heel. Um, he's like a chicken shit heel, but he can back his shit up in the ring. It's very solid. And then versus Steven Universe... A meatball with a, a star T-shirt. Um, so we were talking about this, and amethyst or uh, not amethyst. I don't know why I called you amethyst. August <laughs> was like, my money's on Steven, and I'm like, oh no no no, Adam Cole, baby. Uh, and here's why. Okay, so uh-huh. Adam Cole is a heel. Yes. Uh, he is obviously the the undisputed era have been involved in literally every one of his matches. So, uh, the Undisputed Era is going to get involved. Uh, like, and uh, I know that the Crystal Gems have superpowers, but they're not going to be able to use weapons. Uh, and I feel like uh, like they're going to high-low Amethyst, and then Roderick Strong's going to give everybody a backbreaker, and then Adam Cole's going to Panama Sunrise an 11-year-old boy. Like, that's just how it's going to work. <laughs> I, I, I don't... I Okay. So here is, I don't see Adam Cole beating Steven. Like, Adam Cole is not going to to deliver the finishing blow to, uh, to Steven. But I can see, because, like, nobody is going to let anything happen to Steven. Amethyst, Pearl, and Garnet are, would not let anything happen to Steven. But, like... They could do a pinfall on one of the other crystal gems to win the match. Like uh, I would, I would buy that. But so here, here's what I'm thinking. I think I here's what I'm thinking. Like you book, it, it, it's your typical three match structure when you're booking it. So like mm-hmm. it's Adam Cole versus Steven Universe initially, and Adam's got to win because you got to get that heat. You know, you got to get that heat for the series, right? But it's because of interference from 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 the undisputed era, like like Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, or no, like, um, Roderick Strong gets up on the apron, and then Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, like, high-low Steven, and then Steven gets up into a last shot, right? He doesn't even have to be sitting. Like, Adam Cole just knees him in the back of the head, because uh, he's a child. I don't know why we're having an adult man beat up a cartoon <laughs> child. But well, it, Kenny Omega can do it, so... It's true. I, he, he... Did he... No, he did not lose to the girl. He, he no, he didn't. He, he was did. he was like deep in heel Kenny Omega, so he totally like owned that child. But it was still a really good match. It's true. Yeah, uh, she's still wrestling and she's great. Um, the but then you get the second series where like the Crystal Gems show up. Um, like maybe it's another singles match between Steven and and. Uh, uh, Steven and Adam Cole, but this time the Crystal Gems show up, stop the Undisputed Era from winning, and then Steven gets the pinfall, probably because a- like Garnet punches uh, Adam Cole so hard in the face, he goes through the ring in a cartoonish cutout. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then, well, we've got uh, we've got one faction now. We've got the Undisputed. Now it's faction warfare, right? And there's only yes. one match. War games, baby. Like 
after okay. this big schmoz fucking William Regal comes out onto the, onto the plateau above the I guess the in in my head it's like at the temple like he comes out above the temple and he's like war games. Well, no, no, no. Before war games happens, I feel like there has to be a like an official tag team match between Undisputed Era and the Crystal Gems. And um, what's going to end up happening is Undisputed Era is going to win that one because uh, Purple Puma gets the Crystal Ge- Crystal Gems DQ'd right. because uh, he brings out a chair in the middle of the match. Oh, maybe the Eddie Guerrero in. Uh, I don't know if you know, like, I don't know if you've seen this. So Eddie Guerrero had this spot that he used to do where... He like when the back, the referee's back would be turned, he would like he'd get a chair. He would hit it with his hand, drop it on the ground, then fall down like he was knocked. He'd gotten hit by the chair, then get his opponent disqualified. Adam Cole would do that. Oh, Uh, yeah. So good. Mm. Eddie Guerrero was really good. Uh, (laughs) I love Eddie Guerrero. Um, Pearl would Pearl would do the um, uh, the Sheeta thing, though, and get a chair and like look like uh, she's going to use it, but then use it in a completely legal manner. Right, she'd Sabu off that motherfucker. Oh, yes. Um, but then War Games, Crystal Gems versus the Undisputed Era, um, live at Beach City. Uh, yes. And then the Crystal Gems would, I feel like they would win the series. Obviously, you got like... You know, Undisputed Era doesn't get heat by beating an 11-year-old and three aliens, really. So, yes. like, they, they look good. Adam Cole always looks good at War Games. Also, I think almost every War Games match since NXT has started has been the Undisputed Era versus some people. <laughs> Except for the Women's War Games match. I think that's the only one that hasn't been the Undisputed Era v. somebody. Uh, um, well, yeah, it's because they're a built-in time... faction, so, you know. Yeah, this last time... Uh... Uh, was Undisputed Era, and then I know Champa was there because of the whole thing with getting to the top of the cage, but I don't remember who else. I think it was Keith Lee. Um, no, Johnny was wrestling in a different match. Yeah. Uh, was this when Johnny was injured? I think it was when Johnny was injured. Um, I know Keith Lee was in that match because Keith Lee, whoop, whoop. Oh, oh, um, fucking, um... Uh, I think it was Matt Riddle and um, um, the Broser Wait, uh, Pete Dunn. Mm. Yeah, or maybe he was Pete Dunn was maybe because I knew remember the one before that was Undisputed Era versus uh, Ricochet and the Viking Raiders and one more person who might have also been Pete Dunn. <laughs> um, because I remember that was when Ricochet did 900 off the top of the cage, but he overshot and Adam Cole, like the good wrestler he is, just stepped back and caught Ricochet full in the face to keep that motherfucker from dying. Jesus. It's the most like Adam Cole doing the math in his head like, oh, no. So he steps out of the pile of guys to catch Ricochet and just kind of opens his arms and like he takes a flat back bump. But like he, blo- he like he keeps Rick because if Ricochet had missed, he would have kept rotating, which was the problem. Mm-hmm. And so he just takes Ricochet to the face. Yeah. Because um, Adam Cole's a very good wrestler. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So that's us fantasy booking the Undisputed Era versus Steven Universe <laughs> and the Crystal yep. Gems. 
It, um, it was a good series. Like that pay per view was great. Yeah, it was good. There's like a, that's at least three takeovers. That th- mm-hmm. this is this is the new Champa Gargano. <laughs> Ooh. Um. We got te- we, we we can t- we can tease the Crystal Gems breaking up with Amethyst maybe joining the Undisputed Era. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, it's good. And then she makes like like in War Games, like she's like the last one out of, of the weird shark cage, right? And so, you know, mm-hmm. you've got that got that confusion. <laughs> um So yeah. Uh that was dumb. This is the dumbest thing we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, this is not the dumbest thing we've ever done. We, I'm sure no. that Metal Gear Monday is the dumbest thing we've ever done. Yeah. Or at least something we've said in Metal Gear Monday. <laughs> All the pegging. Actually, no, the dumbest yeah. thing I've ever done was the attempt at the joke at the top of the episode. Ah, uh, true. I completely blocked that out. <laughs> um, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, next time... We will be watching episodes uh, 10, 11, and 12, which are Steven's Lion. Ooh, pretty stoked for that. Uh, Arcade Mania, uh, which might be oh, another I've light seen... episode, frankly. I think, I think I've seen that episode. It's where, uh, it's where Garnet gets really into a game called Meat Beat Mania. Yes, I have seen that episode because I just remember the uh, announcer for the game being like, get ready to beat your meat. And it's like, oh, it's the most that like uh, it's a hilarious like that is dumb, dumb blue humor that frankly I can get behind. Um, Fair. The and then giant woman. We get our first motherfucking fusion next time. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, so just go ahead and watch that. If you have any questions that you want us want to ask us about these episodes or some previous episodes, uh, go ahead and either add us on Twitter. It's a uh, gay space pod or join our discord. We've got a really cool discord. Even if you're not into our other shows and you're just like you just like this show, um, though, I can't imagine you're listening, to the, at least at this current level, you're listening to the show and don't listen to our other shows. I'm, it's not me trying to humble brag on our other shows. It's me downplaying this one. Um, uh, but if you want to uh, come talk to us, come talk to us on our Discord. The link is in the description below. Our Discord's very cool. Um, it, it's got some great people. We've got, we talk about all kinds of bullshit. We rarely talk about our podcasts, frankly. We mostly talk about food. Um, yeah. and memes and cursed content and, and weird, like pets, pets. And we got like our air quotes over 18 thing is always just cursed bullshit, frankly. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's solid. We got a good discord going on. I'm not going to lie. It's the, thi- it's frankly the thing I'm most proud of out of all of this podcasting is this good, good discord that we've created. Um, but yeah, if you want to talk to us, uh, hit us up either on uh, Twitter at Gay Space Pods. You can hit me up at Roomware Pod. Uh, where can they find you, August? Uh, at Harpy Dora on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, check out our other shows. I'm on the Room Where It Happened. Uh, we're both on Dumb Kids Playing Hero. Uh, I'm on Follow the Leader. Mm-hmm. All of these are actual plays. So if you aren't already listening to one of our other shows, and decide you want to try them, know that the other shows involve dice. Sometimes. Sometimes. 
rarely. <laughs> um, they're very character driven. So if you like if you like our ideas about characters, you'll probably like our shows. To be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, I guess that's it. Uh, hopefully, maybe we'll find some news. Maybe we'll back this Kickstarter and we'll get this little game. I mean, um, I backed the Kickstarter. So. Oh, did you? Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm. I am not That's, going. We, I feel like we only need one copy of this game between the two of us. I. I mean, I. Here's the thing. Like, are we going to be able to see each other face to face to play this game by the time it comes out? Who fucking knows? Uh, I mean, we can probably beat like. That's a good point. Thanks for making <laughs> me fucking sad, August. Sorry. Oh, we can't play the... Even if we had two copies, it's not like we can play it over the internet with two different copies of the game. I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> yes, it is. You just feed it through Discord. <laughs> All right. Make a Roll20 compatible version of Beach Palooza. Yes. Game maker. Jeez. Um, but yeah. Uh, talk to us. Be safe out there. Worlds of, worlds of fuck. Man, it's a bad time. So... Be safe. Uh, fuck capitalism. Go home. Love you. Bye. Stay home. <laughs> Stay Bye. home. Peace.